Stacey Dales, NFL Network correspondent. Here at Hallis Hall, as expected, continued buzz around the quarterbacks, especially when it comes to the 11th overall pick, Justin Fields. Breaking down the Bears beat news around the NFL. Head coach of the Chicago Bears, Matt Eberflus. Where, where do we even start? We start at hits? Do we start at the hits acronym and principles? Hustle, yeah. intensity, takeaways on both sides of the football. Yeah, okay, yep. Okay, for the defense and the offense. And then smart football. Former WNBA star. And the ball stolen away. Didn't see her coming. And Perkins gets the clean steal over to Dales. Easy land. Stacey Dales off a beautiful feed from Elaine Powell. Stacey Dales with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Zach Zabin's in for Molly today. And time now to welcome Stacey Dales from the NFL Network, who did a terrific job covering the Eagles all week and then postgame with the Chiefs on the field amid the celebration, all of the just ecstasy that the Chiefs were experiencing, that we were there to watch. Stacey, thank you for getting up early because we know it was such a long night, but what a memory, what an experience. What is your first reaction to what you recall last night? Hey, guys. Good morning, Zach and, and David. Um, well, I actually just got off the red eye, so I'm, I, I'm like, kind of high on coffee, so that's good. <laughs> Same. <laughs> um, it, it, was, it was, honestly, it was um, – it's, it's kind of hard to put into words because you had a team in, in Philadelphia that dominated the game virtually for the entirety of the first half. And then you thought they would put the, you know, pounce in the second, right? They're up 24 to 14 uh, going into halftime. Patrick Mahomes is hurt. And they, they literally had twice as many um, plays as the Chiefs. And they still finished the game with 77 more total yards than the Chiefs. They, they dominated in so many aspects of the game. But Patrick Mahomes has obviously proved to be of the Brady, you know, sort of material in which, you know, this guy is, is a winner. He's going to, you know, what is it now? His second Super Bowl and, you know, victory in, in the last four seasons. They've been to the AFC Championship the last five seasons. I mean, they're, they're starting to build a dynasty in Kansas city. That's evident. And, you know, it's kind of one of those deals where like, you can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. You just can't. And so for anybody that did, how foolish, I guess. Right. Yeah. They heard about it from Travis Kelsey after the game. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Zach. So you interviewed a whole bunch uh, of players right after the, mm-hmm. the clock hit zero. And I always find those interviews interesting because there, there's nothing to hide at that point. The season's over. All the emotions come flowing out. So what did you learn from the different people that you interviewed? What what struck you? Uh, what struck me is that the teammates of – so the, the way we kind of do it, Zach, is with at the NFL Network, we have a post-game set and a post-game show. And uh, James Palmer was on the um, – Chiefs all week, and I was on the Eagles. But he and I tag-teamed the winner, regardless of who that would be. And our set has a list of players that, um, you know, they they want the stars. They want Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, and um, they want Andy Reid. And that's just fine, because, listen, typically in these games, it comes down to the auxiliary players. You know, sometimes the players you don't think are going to have magnificent moments. Um, players like a Nick Bolton who forced a fumble on Jalen Hurts. Players like Kadarius Tony who 
had a 65-yard punt return that was a Super Bowl record in terms of punt returns and a touchdown. So that kind of left us to meander around the field and grab those types of players. And the thing that I learned in talking to them is the mystique of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, they believe, you know, even despite how young he still is in six seasons, that he is the best quarterback to ever play. <laughs> of course they're going to say that. They're Kansas City Chiefs. But he, he has a way about him of making everybody believe. He has a way of winning. He ha- he is a refused-to-lose quarterback. He's going to be a Hall of Famer one day. And he's only – for us to say that at his age and the amount of time his tenure in the NFL, I think, speaks to – the type of leader he is and uh you know even matt nagy you guys I, I texted him just to congratulate him before the super bowl and he was so pumped and you guys know he's such a great guy and you know he automatically deferred to well it's great to have 15 i mean patrick mahomes is something else uh and then i think the other takeaway zach was just that the chiefs really did feel like the underdog especially their their offensive line when i interviewed creed humphrey who's just in his second season, just finishing his second year, but he's going to be for 10 years, one of the best centers to play in the NFL. Um, You know, for him to tell me, we listened to the banter all week that this is a historic defense we're playing and they're so good. And they have 78 sacks and we're, we're kind of sick of hearing about it. So we wanted to send a statement out there. Players do listen to what we say. (laughs) Players do listen to the media and they took it. Uh, took offense to it, and they went out and had the performance of their lives. They didn't give up a sack to a defense that had 78 sacks. Um, I thought that was probably maybe one of the biggest stories of the game besides Patrick's ankle. Talking with Stacey Dales from the NFL Network, who, like all of our guests, appearing on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. One of the post-game interviews you did, Stacey, I think was with Kadarius Toney, whose 65-yard punt return was the longest in Super Bowl history. Thought it was interesting. Greg Olson uh, described in the, in, the C- in the Fox booth about in a, uh, a conversation he had pregame with Dave Tobe, who, said, who asked him about what the record was and it was gonna, implying that was going to happen, which is great. Dave Tobe deserves all the credit anyone could give him. Uh-huh. But wasn't that all Kadarius Tony? Wasn't that all him changing direction and and making something happen and making uh-huh. something out of nothing? What was he saying about that historic punt return post game? He was kind of saying that to me, David. Like I, I, I grabbed this guy right, and he, he he just love it, right? Like he 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 gets drafted in the first round of the New York Giants, right? He's considered a bust. There are rumors that there's problems with him and the organization, and all of a sudden. Brett Beach, the GM of Kansas City Chiefs, I think week eight of this season is like, we need we need Kadarius Tony on our team. And all of a sudden, he becomes a Kansas City Chief. And now I'm standing with him, to your point, David, and he's like beaming from ear to ear. He's got, you know, he's got the full grill on both top and bottom of his teeth. <laughs> and he's He's trying to describe the, 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 the run back, and we all saw it. He took it from the left side of the field. He took it all the way across to the right side, and he could. He, it was almost like he couldn't explain the moment. And so I get really passionate with those situations because I can feel the genuineness when you grab a guy as soon as the game ends, and they're almost speechless. So, you know, he, he was uh, – it was a great moment. Um I, uh, I got off the plane today, and I got a text from Brett Beach, and it was just 
my interview with him from Twitter. And he's like, he just wrote, I love this. <laughs> if that doesn't tell you something, I, I don't usually share my sourcing, but Brad Beach is the one who said, and what, what an architect, right, of this roster for years. Brad Beach is the one who's like, we need Kadarius Tony on our team. And then to get off the plane and get a text message from him, like, I love this interview, speaks to how proud he is of that acquisition midseason. Yeah, that really is an organization that has all of its ducks in a row. They they know exactly what they're doing. To be able to trade away Tyreek Hill and, and still go out and win a championship when everyone was talking about Buffalo before the start of the season being uh, the preeminent favorite in the AFC. Even people picking Cincinnati two weeks ago to, to win the AFC championship game because of the, uh, the concerns with the high ankle sprain for Mahomes. But I, I don't want to get... I don't want to talk about that part of it. What I do want to talk about, because everyone mentioned that something changed with the Chiefs coming out of the locker room, and it's more than just an X's and O's thing. Did did mm-hmm. anyone reveal what Andy Reid said to the team at halftime? Andy Reid doesn't – yeah, Zach, that's a great question. Andy Reid doesn't ever have to say much. In fact, he's notorious for having short meetings, which is what the players love. He's notorious for – you know, three-minute meetings, whereas you'll get some of these younger coaches who keep guys for 30 minutes. And Andy Reid's very – I think it's more Patrick Mahomes, and I didn't have a chance to personally speak with Mahomes, but um, I think it is truly the Mahomes magic. And, you know, when you have a guy like that and who is so beloved in the locker room and he is – you know, I remember having a conversation with James Palmer and talking to him because he, he, he's covered this team quite a bit and spent a lot of time with them throughout the course of the season. He covers that division quite a bit. And I remember being in the press box with him, and he was telling me about um, Andrew Wiley, right, who's their starting right tackle. And Andrew Wiley played the game of his life. Okay, he's already won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, but he, he had to deal with Hassan Reddick. And Hassan Reddick had, had 19 and a half sacks this season. The, the, the basic story that James and I talked about was just how Andrew Wiley isn't the best right tackle in football, but Patrick Mahomes will look at him and tell him, man, you're nasty. Man, you're so good. He builds the confidence in a guy like that. So Andrew Wiley is able to go out and play the game of his life and protect Patrick Mahomes to such a level, even with an ankle injury, he doesn't get touched. That is what Patrick Mahomes has, and I believe that's what happened in the locker room, Zach. But, you know, I, I, I haven't been able to listen to you guys. I do listen to the, the show so often. I just I wish I, I wish I could have because the reactions, I'm curious to know from you guys what you thought of the game. It's, it was just I thought it was a really epic Super Bowl, and that and Chris Stapleton like blew it out of the water. Oh yeah, yes. you know I was going to mention that one. <laughs> you know, we, we, oh we my spent... god, you guys know I love music, and Chris Stapleton's one of my favorite favorite musicians. I saw him at Wrigley Field this past summer. That for me, I know Whitney was amazing, but that for me was the best national anthem that I've ever seen at a Super Bowl. You know, I was at that concert too, Stacy. So I had the same appreciation for uh, Chris Stapleton. <laughs> So we also know that you spent a lot of time around the Eagles last week. So I think it's almost a compliment to the Chiefs and the dynasty that they are building that the focus has been more on what, how they won it rather than how the Eagles lost it. The Eagles lost it with the turnover by Jalen Hurts. He did so many other things right. 
He had 300-yard passing. He had the two-point conversion, which was clutch. He had all those things right, Stacey, but you know as much of a competitor as he is, he's likely waking up this morning regretting the fumble, which was returned for a touchdown in a three-point game. That's going to leave a mark, and that's going to be difficult to overcome that for mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts. Yeah, it's it, it really he, – he's unlike anybody I've ever covered, I have to be honest with you, in terms of his sureness, meaning his conviction and everything he says. Like, when you listen to his quotes and when you listen to him talk, it's real. I mean, the guy had three rushing touchdowns. He had, an, he had a 103 passer rating. He throws for over 300 yards, but he has that one turnover. And it just shows you in moments like this, and I think you guys can both agree, given the magnitude of games you've covered in your career in all realms of sport, whether it's baseball, whether it's, you know, basketball, football, you name it. um, It comes down to a play, and it usually does. And not only that play, but the James Bradbury penalty that has been so widely and broadly talked about that essentially kind of sealed the deal for the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, it basically did. Otherwise, they, the Eagles would have had an opportunity to be able to go down the field and score, um, which I believe should have not been called. Um, it was ticky-tack, and in a game like that, how, like you can argue, like even Bradbury came out and said, well, I grabbed his jersey, but um, you know that happens throughout the course of games. Like That's part of football. This is a Super Bowl, so it's not my place to get into the calls, but um, it does come down to one or two plays. It always does, whether it's a turnover, whether it's a penalty. And that's why, you know, that's why these teams are in this position because they had the fewest mistakes getting to this stage in their season. But um, unfortunately it has to go one way or the other, you know, and that's, it went, it went the chief's direction for sure. What I think stood out to me is this is the kind of game the chiefs have always played this season they always play tight games and find a way to win what was surprising to me is that Philadelphia did such a great job this year once they built a lead you couldn't come back on that team and they had a 10-point lead at the half and gave it up yeah no you're right Zach and what's crazy is it just shows you how good Mahomes is they had the number one pass offense in the NFL. Well, the Chiefs had the number one pass defense in the NFL. They also had the best front seven in the NFL alongside the Niners. Mahomes still won. Like, I don't, I don't even, I don't know how many other ways to say it, right? Like, I don't, I, his greatness, I, I don't, like, I was like, if he wins this game, I'm truly going to think he's a legend. I mean, the guy's 27 years old. He's the fifth youngest quarterback to win multiple Super Bowls, the youngest since Roethlisberger, which was, I think, 09 when I read the research notes last night. Um, again, second Super Bowl victory in four seasons. But, like, they just go to Super Bowls. They just go to AFC championships. I mean, Andy Reid's a great coach, like a Hall of Fame legendary coach. But yep. Patrick Mahomes, I, when I watch Patrick Mahomes play, I don't know what you guys think, but, like, you, when I used to play basketball, like, you want to – you know, a fast break or at any time on the court, you want to draw defenders to create mismatches and, you know, open opportunities. Like he plays football, like he, like as if you were on, on a court. Yeah. He's Kansas city's Jordan. And that's hundred percent. And he is at this stage of his career, 
as we were saying earlier, Stacey, in, in the program, when Michael Jordan was in his fifth or sixth season, I think already people were trying to grasp and try to put him into historical context. He was that great, and you expected more to come. Likewise, when Patrick Mahomes is where he is at 27, two Super Bowls, five straight AFC championship games, he's already a legend, as you describe. He's already a Hall of Famer with those kind of credentials. He's already probably, in my mind, one of the top five quarterbacks ever, and he's only going to get better. Yeah, and I would just add to the Michael Jordan um, thought there, Dave, like, he could go play baseball if he wanted to right now. He could say, I'm going to I'm gonna tie my shoes up in the NFL. I'm going to go to the major leagues. Like, he literally could. He could have he been a major league baseball player. He was that gifted. And obviously, you know, having that multiplicity in sports, you can see it on the field. I mean, you, you can see him turn in a double play, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this guy is, this guy is uh, like a freak. Um, he's on the spectrum of greatness. I, I, I don't even know another way to say it. Like, the, the Chiefs in five seasons, 75 wins. It, it is insane. And I did find Nagy, by the way, on the field after the game, and I gave him a huge hug. He was almost speechless. His eyes were all welled up in tears. I am so happy for him. I know that, you know, Bears fans are going to listen and say, oh, he didn't do us any good, you know, justice, Stacey, but he's a really good guy. And it's nice to see good people have great moments. It's interesting. I, I think that Matt Nagy would have been a, a much better head coach if he had just stuck to being a head coach, I think being the play caller on offense impacted his ability to be a good head coach. And it's a lesson when you look at Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. I think Sirianni understood that lesson, and he's been confident enough to allow his coordinator to call the plays, and he's truly a head coach. And I think that's why he was able to galvanize that team the way he did. Well, that's a really good point, Zach. I mean, Shane Steichen, you know, they tinkered with it last year, but it was definitively his job this year to call the plays. And now he's probably going to go be the head coach in Indianapolis. And he has a great relationship with, with Jalen Hurts. And Nick just kind of stepped back and was became the overseer of the franchise. I I agree with you. And he got buy-in from both sides, and meaning the defense and the offense. I mean, it was really a joy to cover their team this year. Um, I always, you know, share that, like, any time I've covered a team in the Super Bowl, they have a very beautiful blend of chemistry. And they can't not have it. There can't not be selflessness on the team. Um, And as I reflect back on the week, just being there, because I've been with them now for almost a month, um, for basically a month, I, I try to think, well, were they loose? Yeah, they were really loose. Were they too loose? Um, what happened at halftime? Like you said, what they they played with great leads. They they their 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 time of possession was absolutely dominant all year long. Like you, you just didn't see the opponent get a chance to score because they didn't have the ball. Um, but that's that's where the the magic of of Mahomes comes in, and he's just that guy you can't pick against. I mean, bottom line. Stacy, it's been a joy to deal with you all season long, especially during the postseason. You've done a great job. You really make our show better. Uh, get some sleep. Uh, thank you for, <laughs> for joining us after taking the red eye back. That's commitment, and we really appreciate all that you do for us. 
Yeah, my OCD, David, I'm going to unpack two big bags and do all my laundry right now because I have a show tomorrow. So, But I, I, I really love you guys. Um, I'm D- Dustin's amazing. He's like the communicator that you want to work with um, every single week. And um, Molly is, you know, miss you, Molly. And, but, you know, Zach is a good friend of mine. And you guys do an amazing job, David. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Stacey Dales, NFL Network. She's the best. Terrific uh, report. From the field at Super Bowl 57, we'll talk about some more leftovers, things that we haven't gotten to yet. What do you think? 312-644-6767. Let's put this all into some kind of context when we get back. It's Mullion Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to the score. Amazing to be allowed right in the middle of the competitors just before the race starts. Yeah, now you can see they're locked in. It reminds me of myself. Uh, a real focus. Okay, it's not Patrick. That's why he ignored me in the beginning. But what is your name, sir? Paolo Bancaro. Right, okay. Well, I thought I was talking to somebody else. So I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Mully and Haas, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Zach in for Mully. That was from last summer. F1 Formula Racer, race analyst mistaking, uh, calling everybody Patrick Mahomes because everybody seems to be Patrick Mahomes, most famous athlete in America now that – no, LeBron James. Yes. Steph Curry. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. He's an ex-athlete. I said now Is that he? Tom Brady's retired, he's an ex-athlete, right? For now. Active athletes. Patrick Mahomes after Brady – or after LeBron, Steph. Yeah. I and think Mahomes. Mahomes. Yeah. More so than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody can see Aaron Rodgers. He's in the dark. Does that start yep. today? I I think it does. I was listening to your podcast. Isn't that something that you and, and Weeds are going to end up doing? <laughs> the Take the North podcast. Dan yeah. Weeder wants 40 to minutes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the dark. That would It's be, a darkness uh, retreat. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, you could do the radio show in the dark. <laughs> Usually there's not as many lights on as there are today, but we did that for you. We turned the lights on for you. I, I appreciate And kept that. the thermostat where, where it is. And for the record, it's very hard to confuse me for anyone else. <laughs> it is. I, <laughs> I mean, that, that red just boom. Yeah, it's glorious. It pops in the dark. All right, so you had some interesting takeaways as it pertains to the Bears before we get out of here and, and get the transition, I think are interesting because I don't think it's primary on people's minds, but certainly because the Bears are so far away from being one of the two type of teams that can compete in a game like last night's game. Well, that's that's what hit me yesterday. So far away. It, when anyone who who loves the Bears, right, who cares about the Bears being good, if you were watching last night's game. I'm sure you scroll through Twitter, and the way this new Twitter format is designed, you get all these tweets from people that you don't follow that have similar interests. I don't know the algorithms or how they figure it out, but you get all these these tweets from people who think, oh, well, Justin Fields can do exactly what Jalen Hurts does. How far away could the Bears possibly be? Do you see the talent around Jalen Hurts? The Bears are very far. Well, what I think those those comments are a product of, in my opinion, are that it has been so long before since the Bears have been able to say that about a quarterback who's in the Super Bowl, uh, who can say that about a quarterback who who is a Pro Bowl caliber player or an MVP level player. It's been so long since that's been the case 
that that is the predominant thought in every Bears fan's mind this offseason is that, well, you know what, we do have light years to go before we're at that level, but at least we have the quarterback. And I think that prevents them from maybe having any other rational football thoughts, perhaps. But I think that when you get the quarterback, people are so excited about having that question answered for the first time in so many years that they make the assumption incorrectly in my view, I think in your view as well, that the rest will come too. The rest will come next. It's not as easy as it sounds. Think how good the Eagles were this season and they didn't win the championship. (laughs) Think how good they were. They were the number one team in the NFL until last night. But I think it was you that said earlier the one of the big takeaways is that you, if you are looking at it from the Bears' perspective is at least you're in the NFC. Correct. Because as good as the Eagles were this year, as dominant as they were going into last night's game, which they lost, they are, you know, are they catchable because they're in a, in a, in a conference that doesn't have a lot of other elite teams? Well, first, let's look at the division. You're in a division where – I don't think anyone looks at Minnesota as unbeatable, right? So, if anything, I I think Minnesota is going to take a step back. If Green Bay truly is going to trade Aaron Rodgers. They're taking a huge step back. There is no way. I'm pretty comfortable going on record here. And I know we said it the last time when, when they traded Brett Favre away and Aaron Rodgers took over. There's no way. That succession of greatness is going to continue with Jordan Love. You compared it, I think it might have been in a text or a conversation with the Brady-Belichick divorce in New England and the Patriots getting rid of Brady and the Packers getting rid of Rodgers. Do you? No, I. there's no way I would ever compare Matt LaFleur to Belichick. I do think, though, you have one of the ascending teams in all of the NFL in your division in Detroit. The Lions are doing it the right way. They're building from within. They have hit home runs with their draft picks over the last two years. They have plenty more draft okay. picks to improve. Aiden Hutchinson is a terrific draft pick. They, they've done a, the, a, t- the offensive tackle is a terrific draft pick. The best uh, team not to make the playoffs last year was Detroit. Okay, right. I think we and and clearly they have found something offensively. They have they've identified what does the quarterback do well. How do we take that to the next level? And they have. And they're only going to get better defensively because of the picks, and and they have that centerpiece that you need. Right? I, I agree with that. Now now the next step. All right. What's the next step? Because this – remember when everyone was cheering every Monday after a Bears loss because of the integrity of the draft pick? Mm-hmm. Well, you've got that now. And what you also have is the worst draft class in years where I heard Mel Kuyper say this, and he's not the only one, he had a difficult time. And this is what he does every single day. He wakes up looking at putting together a draft board. And he said he had a tough time putting together a top 50, a legitimate top 50 for his draft board this year. Then you look at all the money the Bears have. They've got all this money to spend because they're under the salary cap, right? In one of the worst free agent classes that we've had in years where there's no legitimate elite level superstar. Well, it does seem very Bears ish. Right? That when you have all the money to spend and all the draft picks to use, that you're in the midst of an offseason where it's 
a below average free agent class and overall draft. Right, where you yeah. don't have That's that. so bears. And, and you don't have that that number one guy at the top of the draft that there's a consensus on. So but, there, there might be some, you know. If, but everything's if, relative. Everything's but, relative. So other teams are trying to improve with the same – out of the same pool of talent. Yes, but, you know, we, we heard last week a, a number of different people say, oh, the Bears are going to receive this haul for the number one pick. But if you don't have the quarterbacks rated in such a way where, you know what, I like Bryce Young, but if I don't get him, I'm comfortable. You can't determine that yet, though. But we don't know yet. But it's just as likely that somebody is going to be fixated on a quarterback as it is unlikely that they won't. I don't think you can make that determination yet. I that's where I don't think the overall talent level. If there's there's strength in numbers, Zach, and if you there's there's quantity if there's not quality. And so if you accumulate draft picks, you're increasing your chances of finding some that are going to be instant contributors if you make a great deal, the best deal because of supply and demand with that number 1 overall pick. You're going to be getting players that you can use. I think you're trying to put a negative spin no, no, no. on this offseason, and I don't think the glass is half empty. I think that if you talk to most evaluators, they will tell you that next year is a big draft, right, with a lot of talent. Because it's unique because of, the, because of COVID. There are a lot of people that didn't You're riding out. polls. You don't have next. You, don't, you can't wait until next year. But here's the problem, and this, this is what you conveniently ignore in your rush. I'm to, not conveniently ignoring anything. You I'm, always talk about sustaining success. This is not just building a, around Justin Fields. You're, you're talking about sustaining success, where you're not good for just one year, right. but you're good for a long period of time, and you're really building something special here, right? That's the goal. Is that not the goal? You talk about it all the time on the air. You talk about it all the time on your podcast. All of them. I I, I just think I, I think the the prudent thing to do would be to accumulate as many picks as you can in the future. The problem is you have a quarterback who's still on his rookie deal, and as we've learned, unless you have someone like Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback, you want to take advantage. Okay. With the guy in his rookie deal. I, I, I'm just telling you from the beginning, from the get-go, I'm not looking at this as anything in terms of a negative situation if I am Ryan Poles. I am not accentuating the, the fact that the, the negatives, if you will, because of the way Mel Kuyper has graded this draft class or because of the way the free agent class is evaluated. I've got to look at this one way and one way only, opportunity. An opportunity to improve my team around this quarterback that we have deemed special. Now, is he flawed? Yes. Absolutely. Is he gifted? Without question. You can be just as emphatic in, in your answer. So you take that. And, and, Zach, you know this. If you go to work and you're Ryan Poles, you've got to look at it. Yeah, you're trying to sustain success, but you've got to do something now. There is urgency surrounding this offseason. If you want to put out a nice little tweet in a hype video, Chicago Bears organization, after the Super Bowl, as they did last night, like every team did, in fairness, and you're calling this and you're agreeing with the consensus that this is the most significant offseason of the last decade or longer, then you can't wait till next year. You can't talk about what isn't there. Your glass is half full, and it's going to be that way until you do what you do with the number one overall pick. And you've got to look at this as an opportunity to change your franchise forever. So in 10 years, 
you've got your guy or five years, whatever the case may be. Let's stick with five. I don't like going ahead that far. Mm Mm-hmm. You're talking about what you did in the Super Bowl. You're talking about returning to the NFC Championship game. You're talking about your quarterback in the context of being a winner, a leader, a difference maker. That's the way you've got to approach it. Don't talk to me about what isn't there. You've got to show me what is. And you've got to capitalize on this chance to to leave your imprint on an organization. That's the Ryan Poles approach to this offseason. I think it's very tough to do the things you talked about, given the reality of what's staring the Bears in the face. That's the beauty of, of reality. It's, it's open for interpretation. It really is. You find coaches that can coach these guys up. You find I, – I know what you're saying, but a second-round draft pick, sometimes the difference between making it and, and being a bust is surrounding that player with the right infrastructure in terms of coaching, getting the most out of him, putting him in the best positions to succeed. It's all related. It's all related. And that's why, going back to the original point, how we started this, you know, 5.30 or whatever, Mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes in Chicago would not have had the same infrastructure he had in Kansas City. He has benefited from that. He has complemented that with his unique skill set. And he is on a Hall of Fame path already. That would not have happened in Chicago because of what I just described. Well, I mean, remember, 2017 in Chicago was Mike Glennon, Mitchell Trubisky. It was his year. And Adam Shaheen. You remember that well. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that your last season on the sideline? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had seen enough. I, I'm out. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I cannot take this. John Fox has ruined me, too. <sighs> Those were the days. Anyway, good conversation. It's all Thanks. You, did push, you pushed a few buttons today, but that was good. That was I'm, a great I'm, Super Bowl. I'm glad you did. It was a great Super Bowl. Classic. Epic. All those things. 38-35, are you kidding me? I guess offense still wins championships. Defense does, too. Whatever whatever you have on your team, that's the way you have to choose to win. Well, to me, it's not just I, Mahomes. The easy thing to say is in, in the second half of that game, it was all Mahomes. It was an offensive line that st- – prior to that game last night, people were comparing the Eagles' front line to the 85 Bears. I know. I, 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 was, I was part of that. And time out here before you go in this whole – Offense wins championships, thing, and that may be true. Mm-hmm. That may be your takeaway. Defensive touchdown was the difference in this game. Yes. A defensive touchdown was still the difference in the Super Bowl. Thanks to an unforced error by a quarterback. I'm just saying, played in I, so many I didn't games. ask for details. I just want the big <laughs> picture. Details, irrelevant. All right, it's time for transition. Mullion Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to the score.